Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this 150th episode of Perception is Reality. Boy, what a big episode. It's amazing that it's here already, the 150th episode of Perception is Reality. That means we've done 50 episodes since May of 2020. That would be about right. (laughs) One episode a week, 52 weeks a year. That's okay. That makes sense. But alas, I can't believe 150 is here already. Well, that's uh, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode and being here with us today. And for those of you that have been here from the start, thank you for sticking it out with us. For those of you that have joined along the way, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. That's all that matters. Now, I don't ask for payment. We don't ask for you to pay a Patreon amount so you get extra content. I believe that all content should be given to everybody. If I have something to say, I want you to hear it. I don't make you pay for extra secret privileged content. I want to get as much information out to the public as possible. We don't ask you to pay for subscription or for service. All that we ask in return for the work that we do here is that you share the show with everyone you know. You remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites and all minor podcast hosting sites for that fact. Tell them to search the full name Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey or they can simply go to Google and enter Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast will pop right up. Also, don't forget to tell them to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318 or Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook. There I release live video content uh, almost seven days a week. I try to as much as possible, along with other content, but no one will want to miss it, so please check us out there. All right, so without delay, I want to get right to our big guest. Joining us for this 150th celebration episode is none other than a guest that has been with us, or been with me, been with the show, three other times. This will be his fourth appearance on the show. And so please, please 
join us in welcoming here in just a quick moment Mr. Donald Rainwater to the show. Don is a libertarian. He ran for governor in the year 2020 against Eric Holcomb and Dr. Woody Myers. And he really did a lot to change the face of third-party candidates, of libertarian candidates. He picked up a lot of momentum, and I feel like he really ignited a, a flame. He, he ignited a flame that lit the torch, that, that caused the fire, that I believe, if we keep pushing, is going to do a lot to burn down the established nonsense that goes on in the state of Indiana with the Republican and Democrat parties. And I, I'm just hoping that those of you that are out there that were a part of that movement can keep that fire lit and will continue doing what you need to do by supporting him, by listening to this show, by being active, by continuing your education, and that we don't lose that momentum that people like Don and, and myself and others that are trying to get people involved have got going because I believe that we are picking up a momentum. It is just hard sometimes for people to hang on between elections. And we're going to talk about that with Don when he's on in just a moment, along with a lot of other information like his new podcast that has started since he's been on last, where he talks to the audience about everything liberty-minded in the state of Indiana. We're also going to talk to him about the state of our state. And then we're going to try and look into a crystal ball and look toward our future and see what's in store for Indiana, what's in store for Don, and everything in between. All right, we are, of course, joined by our co-host, Amber Green, and she'll be joining the conversation as well. But first, we do have to pay the bills around here so you can hear great interviews like this. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the 150th episode of Perception is Reality. She's Amber, I'm Chris, and after the break, we'll be joined by Mr. Donald Rainwater. You're listening to Perception is Reality. We'll be right back. Hey friends, it's Chris, and I'm here to tell you when you're done listening to the most recent episode of Perception is Reality and you have no more episodes to binge, head over to YouTube and check out Donald Rainwater's Liberty is Essential for great content like this. We have a tremendous opportunity to come together as Hoosiers who believe in liberty and freedom and the foundations that our country and our state were built upon the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. We're going to look at things from a libertarian perspective. We're going to, from time to time, interview folks here in the state of Indiana and give people the opportunity to have an honest conversation about what's going on here in the state of Indiana as it relates to your individual rights and to government the way that it should be, not necessarily the way that it is. That's Liberty is Essential on YouTube. Perception. Perception, Perception. is... Reality. 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 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this 150th episode of Perception is Reality. Thank you for tuning in, and we are joined on the phone by none other than my good friend and the host of the new podcast, Liberty is Essential. You can find it on YouTube. Be sure and check that out. Mr. Donald Rainwater. Don, it's good to have you back. Thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. Let me congratulate you on episode number 150. I'm surprised you got this far after having me on the first time. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, uh, so I believe the last time we spoke was about a week or two before the November 2020 election. You were running against incumbent Republican Eric Holcomb and Democrat challenger Dr. Woody Myers. Now, of course, we were all hoping for a different outcome. Matter of fact, I was hoping the next time I interviewed you for the podcast, I would be addressing you as Governor Donald Rainwater, but it wasn't in the cards. And of course, now we're about three, going on four months into the new year, into 2021. We are three to four months into the second term of Governor Eric Holcomb. And we're seeing that not a lot has changed. Not a lot's changed from Governor Holcomb. Not a lot's changed out of our state senators or state representatives. Of course, it was those folks, the Indiana General Assembly, who many people were looking to during last year to try to rein in Holcomb's madness. And they were all saying, oh, it's an election year, it's an election year. Wait until after the election year. If he wins re-election, we will then hold him accountable then. We will hold him accountable next year. Well, now it's next year, and they have not held him accountable. Matter of fact, not only have they not held him accountable, they have allowed him the space to grow in his uh, madness and his anti-freedom uh, loving self and his his hatred of liberty. They have allowed him to feel that he has the ultimate power as the ruler of Indiana to do as he pleases. And they have not only not punished him, but they are rewarding him for his actions. And on top of that, we have been seeing various different House bills and Senate bills that have been aimed at reducing the freedoms and liberties of Hoosiers, along with increasing or at least allowing Holcomb to retain his perceived power to crush and roll over the spirit of liberty and freedom in Indiana. And I know that you have been down at the State House defending freedom and liberty and fighting back and pushing back against many of these uh, wayward bills. So if you could, just kind of start by telling us how everything's going and kind of work us up from the election through now and let us know kind of what you've been dealing with and working with in these last couple of months. Well, so let me start by saying that uh, even though the election cycle is completed, uh, the work that needs to be done to preserve Hoosiers' individual rights and reform Indiana's government uh, and get it back within its constitutional limits, both the, the limits of the federal constitution and the state constitution, uh, that work uh, never ends. Sure. Uh, and so to that end, uh, as soon as the election was over, uh, we founded the Liberty is Essential PAC, Political Action Committee, uh, 
uh, whose mission is to continue to fight, uh, and I'll use that word, although I know a lot of people um, <laughs> want to want to uh, uh, cast that with uh, certain aspersions that really don't apply to it. Um, but we have, you know, we're going to continue to fight for Hoosiers' individual rights and for constitutionally limited government in this state. And like you said, uh, having done that, uh, I have uh, done some public appearances. Uh, we've done a rally down on Monument Circle. Uh, we have uh, appeared at a couple of General Assembly committee meetings to testify against certain bills. Uh, one was the cigarette and e-liquid tax. Uh, the other was the attempt by the Department of Veterans Affairs to skim 10% off the top of the Military Family Relief Fund, uh, which is a charitable fund, money donated by veterans, uh, mostly when they purchase veterans license plates, designed to be there to help veterans and their families in crisis. And our state government has decided that they want to take 10% of that uh, uh, to use for operating funds. They want to say that they need to uh, uh, promote and market that so that more veterans uh, will be aware of it and more veterans will get uh, assistance because of it. But the reality is, is if you take 10% off the top, that's 10% less money that veterans have at their disposal. So, you know, it, it just it goes on and on and on. Every time we turn around, you're right, the 150 men and women who have been elected as representatives of the citizens of the state of Indiana have done none of that. Uh, they do not represent us. They represent their respective old political party establishment elite infrastructure that tells them what they can and can't do, and if they get out of line, they threaten them. Uh, with being primaried in the next election. So the way I look at it, we've just, we, we're still, we have the status quo. Sure. Uh, we are citizens in a state where our government manipulates and uses us for financial means to do what it wants to do for its own benefit. And we need to do something about it. Absolutely. And although I believe that you're probably going above and beyond what most people do, which I love, and, and more people should be doing that, one of the new ways that you are attempting to bring awareness to folks about liberty and freedom here in the state of Indiana and beyond is by a new podcast that you have released called Liberty is Essential. Now, right now, that is exclusively on YouTube, correct? You don't have it out with iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher. I do not. Right now, I release it on YouTube and on our Facebook pages. And once we get our pack built up to the point where we can, to be perfectly honest, hire some help. Sure. So that I have some folks that can do some of these things and get these things out. We'll probably be putting these out in other places and, and, and broadening our scope. Unfortunately, uh, what normally happens, <clears throat> and I, I know most people are used to a podcast, which is um, consistent and regular, and they know when it's going to come out, and they know where to get it. 
And the reality is, is that right now, the Liberty is Essential podcast uh, is usually we, we do an episode when something gets under our skin to the point where we feel like we need to get on there and, and talk. So you're doing it like um, daily then. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Or I wish I had the time. <laughs> right. Um, Obviously, I was being facetious. Yes. If I had my druthers, I would love to do it daily because I think that there's enough information that uh, is valuable to, to citizens of the state of Indiana uh, that we're not, we're not getting. Uh, the media is failing us uh, horrendously. Uh, I don't know whether you're aware. Um, uh, Attorney General Todd Rakita has uh, said that he is going to investigate the big tech companies because they are restricting the voice of conservative citizens in Indiana. Right. Well, how about we start with the Indianapolis Star and yeah. the local TV stations and the radio stations other than WIBC that don't cover everything that's going on. Right. If they choose to not tell us when the Indiana General Assembly is trying to raise taxes or take money out of a charitable fund to do things that, frankly, our tax dollars should have already been doing since they tax us through about every pocket we have in our blue jeans. The reality is, is that here again, the state government is putting on another dog and pony show, very similar to what they did with House Bill 1123. Oh, we're going to curb the governor's executive powers in an emergency by giving ourselves the ability to call ourselves into session. Well, right. how does that curb his... How does that curb his emergency powers, first of all? And secondly, all they did was create an argument over whether or not what they're proposing is constitutional. You know, I don't think that, I don't think that I'm a whole lot smarter than the majority of them. So the fact that I already know that what should have been done was they should have started taking steps to repeal the language in the state statutes that gave him the authority in the first place, and then they should have turned around and initiated a state constitutional amendment to give themselves the ability to call themselves into session. If I can figure that out, surely they can, but it seems like they have no, you know, the reality is, is they have no interest in doing the right thing. Uh, all they're doing is a political reality show. You know, it's it's like they're putting on the uh, real Republicans of the Hoosier state, <laughs> and it's supposed to be on one of those cable networks as a weekly reality show. Right. And we're all supposed to be entertained by it and then go our merry way. Right. Well, sorry, as you can tell, I'm a little annoyed. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely right there with you. I've paid attention to the Indiana General Assembly probably more this year than I ever have before because, number one, I wanted to see if the Republican supermajority really would keep their word and real Hulk him in, punish him a little bit for what he did. And obviously, we've seen none of that. They've done nothing. They've 
basically said, yes, sir, thank you. May we please have another? And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so fed up with them, it's not even funny. But besides that, I've been watching various different bills making their way through committees and watching the votes on them uh, because I feel like this year more than any, the Indiana General Assembly has really been trying to tighten down the screws on individual freedoms and individual liberties, and I just really don't understand what gives. I don't know if everybody has pandemic brain, and so they feel like, you know, look at all this power Holcomb exerted last year. Now we want to as well. It's kind of like they want their seat at the table, and it's utterly disgusting. Along with all of that, we've been paying attention to what you've been doing down there, the various bills that you've been speaking out against, and and uh, have been involved with. And then, of course, we've been watching what's going on with professional licensing. Matter of fact, that's something that you and I discussed back on your very first appearance on the podcast. But the big one this year for me has been Indiana House Bill 1381, and that is the bill where the Indiana General Assembly is trying to take home rule away from the elected local officials, county commissioners, county council. It's the bill that deals with the solar and wind energy and trying to say that Indiana is the same in all 92 counties. So what works for Marion County would work for Jay County, and what works in the southern half of the state works in the northwestern part of the state, which is just absolutely crazy. That even more so being the case because the Indiana General Assembly has oftentimes told local elected officials that when they are dealing with this, they have to deal with it on their own. Now, all of a sudden this year, they have decided, well, maybe we want to take a look at this after all. And I know it all comes back to money, but it's just really disheartening that they are just saying, oh, it doesn't matter what you do as far as your local elections are concerned. We know better than your county officials, those of us down here in Indianapolis, wherever you live in the state, be it Fort Wayne or Evansville or Muncie. It's just, it's, it's sick. Right. Well, and you know, the reality is, to be very honest with you, the most disturbing part of all of that is the, the level of inconsistency. Because if you think about it, they're perfectly okay giving county health departments <laughs> that aren't even elected officials, they're appointed and, and hired employees but they give them the power in the in the state statutes to be able to go close down a business because people went into the business without wearing a mask so here again okay we as the state of indiana are going to empower local health departments to be authoritarian but then we're going to turn around and say, oh, but we don't want county commissioners interacting directly with the wind and solar industries because they might get donations that we need. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the bottom line and everybody knows it. Yep. Why did they want the wind and solar to come through them? So that the, so that the lobbyists and the donations come through them. Yep. That's why. Absolutely. Why are they willing to have the, the local health departments be the heavy and be the bad guy so they can say, well, it wasn't us that shut you down. It was your county. 
Although, if you hear again, follow the money, Governor Holcomb has this big pot of COVID federal funding that he's made it very clear. If you, even after I lift the mask mandate, if you continue to keep these restrictions in place, we'll make sure you get your funding. If you don't, you, you probably won't. Right. Well, you know, they never met an extortion they didn't like. <laughs> and the reality is that any time they get the opportunity to manipulate funding, they take it. And any time they can pawn off blame for something on somebody else, they take that opportunity too. And that's not the kind of government that secures the rights of the individual. That's the kind of government that is for sale to the highest bidder. And that's what we have in Indiana, and I think people are starting to realize it. Yeah, I'm with you there. I really hope that people are waking up. I Honestly, I think it's way past time. Better late than never, but I, I don't know. Hopefully, that's what we're trying to do here, wake people up, and that's what you're trying to do with your podcast, but I guess time will tell. Uh, talking about the business aspect of it a little bit, Amber is actually, well, I better not say that. Hold on. If everybody recalls, in episode 149, Amber said she might have a big announcement for episode 150, but I believe we have to hold off on that still yet for maybe another week. So, um, without the big announcement, let me ask you this. How do you define yourself? Amber is a small business owner. Let's just put it okay. that way. All right. That's good um, to say. Congratulations. Is, thank you. My business is not yet open. We're still in the beginning phases we're working on construction etc cetera, etc cetera. it's been it's been an interesting ride thus far and i'm not even open because i've heard from the naysayers that they're saying well are you sure you want to open a business i mean look at what happened in 2020 and yeah that's that's definitely something you worry about but can you just sit back and let the government continue to to scare people to the point that they don't do those things for themselves anymore because I'm, I'm not that type of person, so... I feel like a lot of times what you've seen, whether you're talking about local government or, or up to the state government, like we've talked, that so often they try to pick winners and losers, and that's exactly what they do in a lot of situations. Yes, as long as they're the winner and you're, not the loser. That's right. It's a bunch of crap because it does make it hard on people like Amber who's just starting out, and a lot of people say, wait a minute, there's there's no way I can do this, so they're done before they even get off the ground. No, it's, it's uh, taxing, yeah. both literally and figuratively. <laughs> right. You know? Sure. So tell me your thoughts on this. Because of COVID-19, I've been listening to a lot of towns, cities, and counties telling their citizens, look, 2021's rough, 2022's going to be worse, 2023 is going to be worse than that, there's not going to be economic development money, the budget's going to be really low here, we're going to be dealing with just bare bones, and that is not really conducive to, of course, economic development. There are not going to be opportunities to give out loans and help people who are trying to start businesses and 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 kind of uh, jumpstart their businesses and various other things that folks will want to be trying to do over the next couple, uh, one to two, three years. 
What are ways in which the state of Indiana can say, hey, yes, you mom and pop shop, we are excited for you to open your doors. We want you to open in downtown Indianapolis. We want you to open in Newcastle, Indiana. We want you to open in Jay County or in Delaware County. What what are ways you think that the state can help with that? Well, and, and I know this is probably people are going to go, well, of course he's going to say this, <laughs> but but. You know, really, the first thing we have to do is uh, flush the septic tank down there at 200 West Washington Street. Amen. And we've got to do the same thing in our in our cities and towns and our counties. We've got to get rid of the corrupt political establishment elitism that has created all of this over-regulation. You said it yourself, Amber has to jump through hoops to start a business. Well, those hoops are our government regulations. That's the bottom line, right? It should be simple. I should be able to hang out a shingle and open the doors, but I can't. I've got to ask daddy government for permission to do everything because the reality is this. Government doesn't do anything well, but make things worse. When we're in a when we're in a, an economic situation that the government created, you know they always want to blame it on a virus. The virus could make you sick. The virus took the lives of thousands and thousands of Hoosiers. The virus did not damage the economy. The government did that. And the government continues to do that. And until such time as we realize that the only way we're going to get out of this is to get government out of our way and to allow people to do what they can and want to do. Uh, We have a significant homeless problem in central Indiana. The government's not fixing that and they won't let us as as private citizens do it either. Right. We have a hunger problem. Can't let can't let private citizens, can't let faith-based organizations feed the hungry without a permit. And we just we we ignore it. We don't see it. And so when we talk about, you know, how do we recover from this? What is the first step? Well, the first step is don't look to government to solve the problem. They'll only make it worse. And we've seen that in this first session of the General Assembly since the pandemic. They're not fixing anything. They're simply making it harder for, you know, here again, you know, what do they want to do? They, they're upset because they've got to cut back, so they want to take 10% of a veterans fund. They want to raise taxes on cigarettes and e-liquids, a regressive tax that disproportionately affects lower income Hoosiers. The gasoline tax, they raise it a penny a year for inflation. A gasoline tax that is regressive and disproportionately harms lower income Hoosiers. And so the first thing we have to do is recognize what the problem is. And the problem is that government does what's best for them, and they couldn't give a plug nickel about us. So once we get them and their regulatory malfeasance out of the way, then we can start helping each other. And that's okay, I, the key. Sure. I kind of want to play. I, I kind of want to play devil's advocate here a little bit. Okay. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. But as a small business owner that is not yet open, but feels for those that 
are and have been through the pandemic and through, you know, years and years and decades and decades of crappy government. Right. Getting, changing the face of Indiana's government or changing the face of the national government, that's going to take time, which I think you would agree with me on. Absolutely. So what is your advice in that meantime? And like piggybacking off of that as well, what is your advice to to small business owners and to the underserved of our state to, you know, combat that issue until we can get that ball rolling? And also, where do you see that ball rolling in the midterm elections coming up next year? Okay, so first of all, uh, again, I think it's very important that we start with the fact that we have to change the way we think. And what we have thought in the past is that government will take care of us. So what people have to start doing is realizing that we have to find other ways other than going to government and asking government to solve the problem. Now, if that means that what we need to do, and, and, and I am a firm believer in the fact that what we probably need to do is, is push things along a little bit by saying, you know what, we're going to create local, private, whether they're, they're not-for-profit or, or even a for-profit, and we are going to start solving problems locally on our own, and when government gets in the way, we're going to find us a good attorney, and we're going to find people who believe what we believe and share our conviction that we need to fix this and push back against this, and we are going to fight to get government back where it's supposed to be. Because the reality is, is today, that's the only option we have. They have painted us into a corner. I would love to be able to tell you that there are tons of of opportunities and options, but I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that in many industries, they are constantly working to keep you from being able to do for yourself and do on your own. And I believe that what we have to do is we have to start looking around for, uh, and I, I hate to use the term average citizens, but I consider myself an average citizen. I, I'm not one of the political elites. I'm not uh, somebody who's well-connected. Uh, like, you know, like I said before, uh, I think uh, Chris Bilbrey and Rob Kendall are my only friends. Um, I won't judge you on that. I say that jokingly, but, but the reality is, is that you know I'm just an I'm just an average guy who said I'm I'm fed up. Right. And I'm I'm going to I'm going to get involved, and I think that's what we need. I think we need to stop uh, yelling at the TV yelling at the radio, shaking our heads, and then saying, but there's nothing I can do. We need to start finding out where can I get involved. And if that means you go out to uh, the website iga.in.gov 
and find out who your state representative is and who your state senator is, and you send them an email every day and you call and leave a voicemail every day about the things that you are upset about and that you believe need changed, and, and you get your neighbor to do it, and you get your family members to do it, you get your friends to do it, you get people who don't like you to do it. If enough Hoosiers will speak up and speak out, then at least they'll know that a majority is fed up. Because right now, we get hundreds and, and sometimes thousands of people to call about constitutional carry yeah. or uh, about medical freedom or uh, about uh, House Concurrent Resolution 18 to terminate the governor's emergency declaration. People call, people email, but these representatives don't care. Now, is that because there aren't enough of us? Let's find out. Right. Let's get involved. And so to me, that's a first step. And sure. I know that's not what anybody wants to hear. I agree with you. People probably don't like hearing it, but it's the truth. It's just that's the bottom line. Matter of fact, that's what the entirety of Perception is Reality is about. Getting citizens to realize the importance of getting educated on issues and then getting active and involved and doing something that brings about change in local government. Bettering government through citizen involvement. Yeah, yeah I, I think it makes sense. Well, hell yeah, it makes sense. It's a great idea. The problem is it's harder than people think. It's harder to get people active and engaged than, than, than anything because I feel like there's a large number of people out there that want to stay informed. They want to stay up to date. I believe that a large part of that is because they like the drama of it. They feel like it's a little bit of a sideshow. So they like to know what's going on because they don't want to be left out. But as far as getting those people over the line into people that are actually doing things and engaged, that's really hard. It's hard to get people fired up. And then when you do get people fired up, it's hard to keep that fire built for very long. It seems to burn out, and it just really kind of doesn't lead to anywhere. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about the listeners of this podcast. The listeners of Perception is Reality are some of the smartest people in the world because they're listening to the show. And they're sharing the show with everyone they know. They spread the podcast and they're, they're doing their part. But they're also educated and getting further educated. And they are active and making their government, whether we're talking about local, state, or federal, a better place through their involvement. And that's fantastic. And I love each and every one of you for it. But for the people that don't listen... We have to figure out a way to get them involved. We have to get them off the sideline and into the game. Look, it's an all-skate. Everybody to the dance floor. It is our time to get this in gear, and we have to do it because no one else is going to do it for us. Hey, look, folks, we are late for a break. You're listening to the 150th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm Chris, she's Amber, and we are joined on the phone by Mr. Donald Rainwater. All three of us will return on the other side of this quick break. You're listening to Perception is Reality. We'll be right back. What can 
give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLSConsumeraccess.org number 330. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the 150th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Joining me, as always, is co-host Amber Green, and we are welcoming back by phone Mr. Donald Rainwater. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about trying to get citizens involved and active in local government, state government, and federal government. But besides the citizens, I feel it's also important to let the officials know, hey, we're watching, we care, and we're going to keep you in check. Because I'll tell you, I've actually had it play out And I'm having it play out right now like this, where I have a set of officials in Henry County, Indiana, that are telling me they just think that nobody cares. So they more or less do what they want because they believe that, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Uh, Look, I know the citizens that contact me. I know who all reaches out to me, and I know that there are people there that care. The problem is we got to somehow shift that message so that the elected officials realize these citizens care. Because when these elected officials can literally say to someone, "Ah, nobody in the community cares, that is a problem. I don't know if that's true or not, but perception works both ways. And if the officials perceive that no one cares, then it's easier for them to just go on about their business. And now I can give you the flip side of that. What happens when the elected officials realize that the citizens are paying attention and that they do care and that they are involved? And that is a story from Muncie, Indiana on March 5th, 2019, when 1,200 citizens showed up to attend a Muncie City Council meeting that only holds around 250 people. It was beautiful. The room held 250 people. The other 1,000 or 1,100 of the folks stood out in the hallway. They stood out in the parking lot. The news was there. And those elected officials hopped to. They realized that the citizens cared and that they needed to do what these citizens requested. And it was a perfect display of democracy uh, in action. Now, I was a little upset because I told the crowd that was there they needed to come back during the next meeting and the next meeting. And look, I understand that 1,200 people probably are not going to attend every city council meeting. A lot of people come out just for the happening. They like to see what's going on and be a part of it all. It's kind of like that drama I was talking about. But I said, you know, look, if we could get 400 people to come, if we could get 500 people to come, if we could get 200 people to come, if we could fill the room, that would send a message. And that is what's important about networking with people and kind of doing it in shifts. Look, if you can't go to every meeting, that's understandable. 
partner up with somebody, you take a couple meetings and let them take a couple meetings. It's the importance of getting networking and getting a community going of people who can work together for a like-minded goal. You might not always agree on every aspect of the political issues that are talked about, but the overall goal is to better government through citizen involvement and to make sure that they're doing the will of the people and moreover that they're doing their jobs by following the laws of the state of Indiana and the ordinances of the county and the city or town in which they are operating in. Look, here's the thing that frustrates me is it's not that hard to get an understanding of what's going on and to know the players and know what can happen and what shouldn't be happening and to actually show up and go to a meeting. Matter of fact, if people would go to a meeting or two, they would really start to have fun because it is exciting and that is something that a lot of people say once they start going. I never realized how intriguing this could be, but it blows my mind because here I am, damn near 40 years old, I know a lot of other men and women my age and within 10 years of me, say 30 to 50, that do a lot of other just complete nonsense with their time. You know, they get home from work and they don't really necessarily interact with the family, but they sit down in front of uh, the computer games. They sit down and play Call of Duty or Fortnite. They get on Facebook and thumb through Facebook for four or five hours an evening. You mean to tell me you can't go to a council meeting once a month? You mean to tell me you can't sit down and send an email to your state senator, your state representative? You can't hit send all to all state senators or all state representatives? You can't send out an email to your friends or your families telling them about the issues that matter to you? Play your Fortnite if you must, or play Call of Duty, but take an hour out of that and go to a meeting, or take an hour out of that and send an email or make a phone call to your local and state, and to the hell with it, federal government officials. What's so hard about that? You do so much other mindless bullshit with your time. I mean, this could actually make a difference. And and then the other side of that is the people who do get involved, it seems like they might get involved for an election. And then their person loses, so they just say, okay, I give up. Or they get involved for an election and their person wins. And they're like, all right, we're in. We don't have to do anything else. <laughs> and that's not it at all. Just because you lose or because you win doesn't mean your job is over. It's just beginning at that point. What really kills me is it's hard to keep people uh, active. Like, for example, you went from being relatively unknown to having this massive volunteer base and people just all over the state of Indiana being on fire for your campaign. And now the election is over. It didn't turn out the way that we wanted. And we're now four months into the new term. And although there are still tons and tons of people that are geared up and, and ready to go and fighting for you and ready to support you again, obviously it's, it's plain to see we still lost a certain number of those people who were on fire just say, you know, six months ago. And that's the part that I absolutely hate. 
people get excited about a candidate or an idea, and then depending on what happens in the election, they kind of fizzle out. And so, you know, it's great that we have these people involved every four years, but really we need them to be involved in the interim times, in the mid-year elections, and in the in the city council elections, and the county commissioner elections, and, and in the off years when we're planning and, and deciding what we're going to do during the next election cycle. Absolutely. You know, politics is a, such a... A long, it's kind of like the long game, or the, like you know, the long con, I guess, whichever way you look at it. But you've got well, to be able to... there's more truth in that than, <laughs> than most people are willing to admit, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you and see, one of the things I, I think there are two things here that are worth mentioning and unpacking. Okay. And I think the first one is is you just made the comment, you know, uh, but you know, every four years or or you know, four years is a long time. Well, you know, uh, there are elections almost every year. Yep. Oh, yeah. And what we've what we've become is a society that only gives a crap about the president. Yep. Who, by the Constitution of the United States, is supposed to be the least powerful person in the government. <laughs> right. He was supposed to be a figurehead for foreign dignitaries to connect with. And the power is supposed to be in Congress. Yep. But we don't care about who gets elected to our congressional seats. We care about who gets elected president. And we don't realize that our city council and county council and our mayor and our county commissioners have more influence over our daily lives than the president of the United States does. Oh, I like this guy now. (laughs) Absolutely. You mean you didn't like me before? (laughs) Oh, I liked you before. (laughs) When someone repeats something that I have nearly said word for word on this podcast before, absolutely, a little bit more. (laughs) And, And see, this is one of the things... We are a society that screams, somebody needs to do something. Yes. Instead of being a society that says, I've had enough, I'm doing something about this. Right. And that's where we need to get to. And we need to realize that the next election is the, is the most important one. Absolutely. And you know, I tell you, I hate when people say... Well, they're telling me that this is the most important election ever, but that's what they said last election. And now, what are they going to do next election? Are they going to tell me that next election is going to be the most important one? And I'm like, uh, yeah, look, last election was the most important election until this election. And this election is now the most important election until the next election, which will be the most important election. Each election is the most important election ever. At that time. And the reality is, if you don't like what Governor Holcomb did over the last 12 months, blame the Indiana General Assembly. He himself said that they, in their infinite wisdom, gave him this authority. He said that (laughs) during the debate. Yeah. Right? Yep. 
And and so now he doesn't think they have infinite wisdom because they're doing something unconstitutional. <laughs> right. Right, which tells you how smart he is. He can't decide whether they have infinite wisdom or not. But the truth is, if you don't like what Holcomb has done, you don't wait for four years to vote him out, because you don't have to vote him out in four years. You just reelected him, and he can only he can only serve eight years in a 12-year period. Right. So he can't run again right away. But what you could do is you can tie both hands behind his back in 2022 by taking away his supermajority. Right. Now... The majority of people are going to hear that statement and go, Rainwater wants us to vote for Democrats. No, no, I don't. I want people to vote for liberty-minded, average citizens who will run for state government, run for state representative, because there's 100 state representatives going to get elected in 2022, and there's 25 state senators, half of the Senate. So if you if you get rid of... All of the people who are sitting down there in the Indiana House of Representatives who don't have a mind of their own and only do what the Indiana Republican Party tells them to do, then you can stop Eric Holcomb. Yeah. Because they do what he tells them to do. And when people say, well, what about this thing with House Bill 1123? I still believe that this was all a big arranged show to put on he knew they were going to do this and they knew he was going to veto it and it's all to make us feel like they're trying to do something down there but if we want change we have to be the change yeah you can't keep voting for the same corrupt unethical people and expect your government to get better. And I made the comment to Rob Kendall on the radio the other morning. I've got a picture of a coffee cup that says, don't be afraid to try something different. Amateurs built the Ark. Professionals built the Titanic. And and the reality is, is we're on the Titanic. I want to get off and hop on the Ark. I'm tired of, of establishment elite Republican politicians who are, are given the, the, the blessing of the Indiana GOP to go in there and keep doing what they're doing because we don't like what they're doing. They're raising taxes. They're, they're expanding government. They are eroding our individual. The, the Indiana Republican Party says that it's, it's pro-Second Amendment and then they can't pass a constitutional carry bill with a super majority? Right. Give me a break. They have no intention of doing that. They don't want a constitutional carry bill. Why? Because they like having the money from the permits. Sure. They want more of your money, not less. Yeah. So that's if we if we don't get to the place where we realize that we have to be engaged every day, not every four years. Right. And that we have to get rid of this mentality that, oh, if I don't vote Republican, then a Democrat will win. No. If you don't vote Republican, you go out and you find people who will run as independents or libertarians or, or I don't care if they, you know, what they run as. 
But if they believe in, in the constitutional principles that you believe in, you get them elected, and then we don't have a supermajority that can just run roughshod over everybody. They have to come to the liberty-minded people, and they have to work at getting things done, which that's the other thing that I think we really need to think about as Hoosiers. Government's not supposed to do all this crap. <laughs> a lot of the money that gets spent and a lot of the, the bills that get passed really aren't things government should be doing. We need government to do less not more. Sorry. No need to apologize, man. This is exactly what we want you on for, for the listeners to be able to hear this information. I mean, you know me, once I get worked up about something. <laughs> no problem at all. You're hitting the nail on the head. But before I forget to get back to her last question, because I really wanted to hear your answer to it, and I think we kind of wobbled off a little bit, 2022 is right around the corner. I mean, it's breathing down our necks. And that's a midterm election. It's going to be a big election on the federal scene. But I believe it's also going to be big here in the state of Indiana. And it has a lot of county and local races as well that I'll be watching. But as far as our state races, the Libertarian Party and your concerned, what can we expect to see? Is it still too early yet? Or do you have uh, some irons in the fire? Can What can you tell us? Well, I think, first of all, my plan is to knock on doors, make phone calls, send out mailers. You know, part of the reason that we have Liberty as a central pack is to raise the money to support good candidates at the local and state level. And notice I didn't say libertarian candidates. Right. I said good candidates. Now, being a libertarian, I'm focused on trying to find, recruit, help recruit people who will run as a libertarian because we want to put uh, at least 138 people on the ballot in 2022. We want to have a full ballot statewide of libertarian candidates because I have told people, uh, I'm, I'm tired of hearing libertarians uh, say that straight ticket voting is a problem. I'm going to spend the next year and a half going around the state of Indiana telling people, I want you to vote straight ticket. I want right. you to vote straight ticket libertarian. Right. Not because I said vote libertarian, but because you decide that that's the best thing that you can do to get the right kind of government in the state of Indiana. And the reality is, is here again, I don't care if you run as an independent or as a libertarian or uh, as a member of another party. Now, I believe that the two old parties are so corrupt that good people won't get out of a primary. Yeah. You have to sell your soul yep. and uh, agree to do exactly what you're told or uh, they don't let you they don't let you out of the primary. They find a way to keep you from winning. And there are people who are in the state house right now, who are good, solid people who have been ostracized by their state party, who are, they, they submit bills, but their bills never get uh, a committee hearing, never get uh, any kind of recognition because 
they want to do things the right way. And their state party doesn't want to deal with that. I'm not going to, you know, people ask me all the time, why don't you run as a Republican? Because they wouldn't let me. Right. You know, they, they don't want me. Now, I, I stand for everything that, that, that would ruin the, the party they're having. So they don't want me. So I'm not going to run for their... Uh, oh, if you'll run as a Republican, you'll win. I'm sorry, but I think you need to go ask somebody to explain to you how the, the primaries work. Because <laughs> I won't win. I may not even get on the ballot. So why would I do that? And why would I suggest that to anybody else? If I think that somebody is a really good candidate and will go down and do the right thing, I'm going to encourage them to run as a libertarian if they feel comfortable, to look for one of the other political parties that, uh, you know, there's the Constitution Party. Yeah. Um, you can run as an independent I don't care, and I will support good people that I believe have have the right focus, regardless of the party, but I'm not going to throw my money away or my time away trying to get somebody to win a Republican primary in this state, because I don't think you can unless you sign your life away to them. Right. We're going to be trying to put together a full slate of candidates to run on a liberty platform. And whether they run as libertarians or independents, I don't. I, I, want, to, I want to fill up the libertarian ballot. And then if there are people out there that want to run as independents, I'll support that too. Right on. Hey, I have written down here to come back to constitutional carry. I know that's a big deal in the state of Indiana. I definitely support it. As a former law enforcement officer, I am very pro Second Amendment. Matter of fact, I'm pro all of the rights that we are given uh, by our creator. And I know most police officers are, most law enforcement officers are, are, or at least they should be, if they have sworn to uh, uphold the Constitution of the United States of America and the Constitution of whatever state they're in, in here, the Indiana Constitution. I wanted to know if you heard President Biden's comments the other day when he said, no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Have you heard that quote? I have heard that he said that. Okay, yeah. I did not hear him say it, but I have heard that he said that. And it's, you know, the, the reality is, is that anybody who wants to ignore natural rights is going to make that argument. Yeah. Madison believed that the ownership of property was integral to liberty, to freedom to being free, yet the state of Indiana thinks that it's okay to tax you twice a year and threaten you with the loss of your property if you don't pay. To me, whether, we, whether they say it out loud or not, they believe the same thing that Biden does. He's just willing to say it because the people he's trying to keep happy want to hear it. 
Well, and I believe that's why it's important that our local and state lawmakers do what they can to help protect us against an overreaching federal government. And one of the ways that they could protect us is by doing the work that they could do to ensure that our constitutional rights are protected, like, for example, granting us the ability to have constitutional carry. It's just one way that they could help show us, the citizens, that they have our back. But alas, who would ever believe that we have a Republican supermajority? It's more like the new wing of the Democratic Party. I mean, is it too much to ask that we could possibly have good officials at the local and the state levels to help protect us from the freaks at the federal level? And, you mean uh, it'd be nice if we had a state government that believed in the Ninth and Tenth Amendments? Yes, sir. That'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, because here's the scenario that I would I would like your listeners to think about, because here's the situation we're in. Our current Republican governor has said that he is against the decriminalization and legalization of cannabis in Indiana because the federal government still says it's illegal. So does that mean that if the federal government made concealed carry illegal, that he would immediately make it illegal in Indiana, regardless of what the Second Amendment said? Because if you apply his logic consistently... What Eric Holcomb has said is that whatever daddy federal government tells me to do, I'm going to do whether it's right or wrong. Right or wrong doesn't matter. I just have to follow what the federal government says. That's what he said, and we have to take him at his word. Sure. Therefore, if, if, if President Biden signs an executive order, outlawing the AR-15, I'm assuming that Eric Holcomb will come for your AR-15. Now, what are we going to do about that? Sure. And how are we going to stop that? If, if, if the federal government says that you can no longer send your child to a private school, I'm assuming that that means that Eric Holcomb will say, oh, we have to close all the private schools. Now, people say, oh, that's extreme. That'll never happen. How do you know? You don't know. <laughs> right. But I do know this. He has set the precedent by saying that he won't entertain decriminalization and legal. He won't support and defend the Ninth and Tenth Amendments to the Constitution when it comes to cannabis. And if he won't do it for cannabis, then he won't do it for anything else. Sure. That's, that's... And if your governor doesn't support and defend the Ninth and Tenth Amendments and protect your individual rights, who's going to do it for you? Right. That's, that's... So that's the thing that really bothers me, because here again, you're right. The governor doesn't support constitutional carry, does he? No. Not at all. Well, you know, and I heard something the other day, and I don't know where I heard this, but imagine this. Imagine if they did say, okay, we're going to come around and collect the guns. You always see the memes and the badasses say, well, if they come to get my guns, they're going to have to take them out of my cold, dead hands. They won't ever get my guns. But then you actually have to think about it. 
if whoever's coming around to collect the guns, the military, the police, or whoever, whoever they create to do this, is coming around and they come and knock on John Doe's house or Billy Badass's house, who's sitting there eating dinner with his wife and kids, and they're like, okay, throw your guns in the basket and uh, everything else, your magazines, your bullets. You know, is Billy Badass really going to throw up a fight? Or since it's just him, is he going to comply? And I think the answer is yes. That person will comply because although you have guns inside your house, however many you may have, the people coming around to collect the guns probably will have guns. So you're outgunned and it's just you. Also, people just aren't nearly as badass as they claim to be on social media. Furthermore, I'm not interested in hearing the bravado of some keyboard warrior. You got to do the work now. You don't do the work when they're coming around to collect the guns. When they're coming around to collect the guns, it's too late, folks. We're going to be screwed. We need to put the work in now. I don't care about some meme or some comment that some dumbass puts on Facebook. I care about the work that that individual is doing now in getting educated, in talking to the current elected officials, in electing other elected officials that will stand up for the constitutional rights and that will do right by him and all of us. That's what I'm interested in. I mean, these people that talk this talk, they're not interested in writing the emails, in making the phone calls, in voting. They're not doing the work that is required. That's right. They're not, they're not even willing to take the time and effort to investigate individual candidates They would rather just vote for a party and then go, well, I don't know why they're not doing what they said they were going to do. But you're right. Then they'll go, oh, but if the Democrats want my guns, they can come and try to take them. It's not about Democrat or Republican. It's about free or not free. And and that's the thing that, that I think is the most concerning is that you know, we don't even realize that we're, we're subjugating ourselves to people who, whether or not they, they think they're doing the right thing, they're deciding for us our destiny. And that's not what America was founded on. And, and that's you, the thing that bothers me the most. Right. When you word it like that... I, I can't fathom being a grown adult and hearing the phrase that you just said and not being absolutely fucking terrified. Yeah. Like, why are it, it absolutely blows my mind that people are okay with that. Yeah. But see, the thing is, is that if I tell you, and, and here's... Here's what we have allowed to happen. Amber, if you don't vote for me, Chris will get in there. And you cannot imagine the things that Chris will do to you if he gets in there. So I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as Chris. And people buy that bullshit. Right. Or or I I may be... I may be dumb, 
and I'm, I may not know how to put a sentence together to save my ever-loving life, but I don't say mean words. Oh, right. yeah. Well, yeah, right, right. I call that the Trump effect. That's what's going on all over the nation. It's going on all over various states, and it's definitely going on here at home. People are saying... Well, I'm not that candidate. That candidate was mean. You know, look at good old Uncle Joe. Look at the mayor of Muncie. And honestly, everywhere else, it's just, it's a form of toxic positivity, and it is killing political civil discourse at the local, state, and national levels. You know, it's great that you're a wonderful person and that your family loves you and that you tie the church. But where are the leaders at? Well, and th the thing is, and, and I'll be very honest with you, I don't want to be a leader. I want to be a public servant. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, that in itself is part of the, the issue that they have been able to uh, employ is that they've convinced us that they're the leaders. Yeah. And that in order to, in order to um, be electable, you need to be a leader, and you need to have proven that you've done this and you've done that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't need a leader. I want, you know, the libertarians joke about it all the time. We want to take over the world and leave you the hell alone. <laughs> yes. And, and that's the thing that you hear all the time. Oh, but, you know, we need, to, we need to keep the Democrats out because they'll do things we don't like. At least the Republicans do things that don't hurt us. Right. And, and we don't even stop to think about the fact that what we're really saying is, is as long as government doesn't hurt me, I'm okay if it hurts other people. And, and the reality is, is that one of the reasons why people looked to me during the last election was because government finally hurt them. Yeah. And they realized, oh shit, this is no fun. Yeah. It, it's not cool when the government hurts you, when the government makes decisions for your life that, that damage your long-term stability. Oh, this isn't cool. Oh, we got to stop this. But instead of placing the blame where it goes, they wanted to blame one guy. And the reality is, is it's not all on him. Sure. And we're seeing that now play out in the General Assembly. It's the entire, the entire system and the entire process works this way. And until we fix it, we will all now, hopefully, and the, the unfortunate reality is, is still only about 20% of the citizens of the state of Indiana felt the government's hurt. Right. Is it going to take 50%? Is that the kind of crisis we're going to have to go through as citizens? That 50% that, that of us have to be hurt by the government before we say, this is not the way this should work. Government shouldn't be hurting any of us. That's really scary. Here again, I want a government that lets me be as stupid as I want to be <laughs> as long as I don't hurt you or take your stuff. Right. Yeah. Right? Right. 
Uh, I don't want a government that protects me from myself. I don't need that. Right. Yeah. I tell you what, you have definitely changed my outlook on what I will be calling elected officials from this point forward. You know, I used to say, we need leaders. What we have right now, they're not leaders. Leaders are people who get things done. They, they are the people who rise to the top when all others fall to the bottom. And we are lacking good leadership in city, county, state, and national politics. But you've changed my mind on that. I agree. I do not need to be led. I don't need a leader. I want a public servant to go there and do what they're supposed to do and then get out. And you're supposed to go and do it begrudgingly. Yeah. You know, that's the thing we don't think about. The forefathers set it up so you, you went and you served begrudgingly. And then you wanted to get out of there as quick as you could and get back to your 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 property, your 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 farm, your business, so that and let somebody else do it. Right. When it became a career opportunity, that's when it started to get corrupted. Yeah. And that's what that's what the problem is. Nobody should want to run a second term. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so you said it. Nobody should want to run a second term. Are you wanting to run again for a first term? Well, I will tell you that I don't want to have to do it, and I have not decided what I'm doing yet. I will tell you this. We need to find somebody here in the state of Indiana who has an understanding of what being governor of the state of Indiana should be. Right. And and let me let me... Uh, relate a little story. There's a state representative here in the state of Indiana who is known as kind of a maverick and theoretically uh, is is you know a people's representative. But lately, when the people have spoken out and been somewhat critical of him for not stepping up and doing more, he has started lashing out and telling them they don't know what they're talking about and they don't understand how it all works. And I, I, I bring that up because I think we all know how it works. We're just sick and tired of it working that way, <laughs> and we want it to work the way it's supposed to work, yeah. not the way that it is working. And I think that is where we really need to get to as citizens is understanding that concept that we know how it works and it's broken and we need to fix it. And if you're on board with helping to fix it, awesome. If not, please get out of the way. Right. Yeah. Why don't you tell people where they can find you in case they want to get in touch with you further? Well, absolutely. The website is libertyisessential.com, and if you go to the website, there's a donate button, and the, the bottom line is very simple, folks. The people who have control of our government have millions, if not billions of dollars at their disposal to continue to control and manipulate not only government and all of the money that flows into it, but they're able to manipulate your everyday life. And if you want it to stop, then 
Organizations like Liberty is Essential PAC need your support. So I'm going to ask your your listeners if they believe what they've heard tonight is relatable and that they agree with my perspective on things and what we're trying to get done. I need their support. I need them to go to libertyisessential.com, hit that donate button, and donate what they can. Because I, I went out driving around the other day, heard a radio commercial where somebody has put a commercial on the radio to convince people that school choice is a bad thing and that they need to call their state representatives and tell them to stop this school choice Uh. because it hurts public schools. Well, I want to be able to put, (laughs) I want to put a commercial on right after it that says that last commercial was bullshit. Paid for by Liberty is Essential. Yeah. I want to be able to put billboards all over the state of Indiana right. that say the Constitution, the Second Amendment, is my gun permit. Call your state representative. I want to be able to do those things, but it takes money. Sure. And I need, I, need, I need people's support. Sure, absolutely. So with that... I will shut up. <laughs> well, when, you know I have trouble doing that. No, no, there's you're a fine. lot to talk about. No, absolutely, always. You are welcome here anytime you want to talk as long as you want. And I want you to know, and everyone else listening, I will put all of your information, your website, and the YouTube link for your podcast down in the description of this video, so people can get it all in one place. Amber, you have anything before we roll out of here? No, I don't. Nothing. Nothing super new yet. All right. Um, we're getting there. Okay. So as per usual, you can find me on Facebook at Amber Green with an E at the end. And the business page is a touch of green with an E at the end. That E is still there. Huh. Um, I know, or, right? It just follows you around. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, very, very good. I appreciate it. As always, Mr. Rainwater, you are welcome here anytime. We love chatting with you. Amber, great job as always. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to a very special 150th episode of Perception is Reality. I want to give you guys again a very big thank you for tuning in episode after episode after episode. Again, whether you've been here since the start or if you've jumped on along the way. Thank you very much. Please share this episode with everyone you know, along with the entire show overall. Let them know they can find us on all major podcast hosting sites, as well as they can find us on Facebook, Christopher H. Bilberry, Perception is Reality on Facebook, or facebook.com forward slash Bilberry318. All right, folks, until next time, remember the importance of education and getting active and involved. We can better government through citizen involvement, but it takes each and every one of us to be involved, and we can do it. Take care, be safe, God bless, and remember, I love you all the way from 2021. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. 
This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.